Girl, I had to watch this with ads. I really resent that. What happened? I don't Are you know. okay? No, I couldn't find it on Amazon, and then all of a sudden, I was watching it somewhere else with ads. You know, that's good sometimes. So it gives you like whew, a nice break. You can get up and stretch your legs. <laughs> yeah. I do appreciate. I really needed it with this one. I appreciate like a forced break. <laughs> totally. <laughs> BTK, huh? What a son of a bitch. <laughs> I hate this guy. I know that's not like a hot take or anything, but like, not a fan of Dennis Rader. Hi, Julian Pensavalli. Hey, Patrick Hines. Dun, 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 dun. That felt very dramatic, which really is great for BTK. I was like, I thought you were going bum, bum, bum. I was like, oh, okay. That tracks. You guys, before we get into it, if you want more Jillian and me, join us on the Patreon where at the $5 level, you get over 150 full bonus ad-free episodes to download and bitch right this second, girl. Yeah, we're talking about The Vow. We're talking about Tiger King. We're doing Don't F with Cats, or we did it. It's long in the past. Uh, I'll be gone in the dark. You guys, there's also ad-free versions of these episodes. There's Corona check-ins, after parties. Girl, we finally released the after party with my whole Ted Haggard situation. You know, it's a bear. Not, you know. I know. We read the emails Ted Haggard and I exchange. It started out friendly, did not end that way. I was going to say, no spoilers, but it doesn't end well. Could you imagine? <laughs> you guys, lastly, join the Facebook group. Come join us if you're looking for more true crime friends. If you want a place where you can like share your dog memes or just like find suggestions of more podcasts or documentaries to listen to or watch. Yeah, I always say they're going to get the jokes like Bear's going to bear yeah. or whatever. Like if the people in your life maybe don't get those jokes, they will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 30, those 30,000 people will get the references from this pod. The TCO Facebook group is full of your people. People, you weirdos, I promise. Hey, you're talking to both of us when you say you weirdos with that tone. I am one of those weirdos. We are the weirdos, mister, as they say in the craft. All right, girl, what are we talking about today? BTK, that son of a bitch, also known as BTK, a killer among us. You guys, this shit is scary as hell. Like, BTK is the most terrifying serial killer of them all. Again, son of a bitch. He's pretty bad. <laughs> Not a fan. Don't like him. Don't like him. And I'll say it. You know, I don't care. I don't care who's listening. I will I will, I will die on this hill. I do not like BTK. Do you know what the initials BTK stand for? Bind, torture, and kill. All is the murders. Each one was another nightmare. The body was nude, and police say badly decomposed. My mother died at the hands of one of the most disgusting social malignancies that's ever been introduced into this world. I feel their anguish that they're going through as they're dying. To this day, I feel it. What the hell did I do? Get punished by taking my mama that way? He was a man who was actually a monster with no soul. Yeah, you will find a homicide. The city was really on edge. Um, those kind of things didn't happen here in the middle of the United States. You're dealing with a person who is uh, perverted, a person that is sick. That person is going to kill again. And good evening. We have exclusive details. A new communication that could be from the serial killer, BTK. He could not allow himself to be forgotten. He was taunting every female out there. This could be you. If you had asked me before 2005, I would have told you my life was pretty much the American dream with like these great parents and this great house. And then I learned that my dad was a sexual sadistic psychopath and that every day of my life was a lie. Girl, it wouldn't be me if I didn't start this episode by telling you how much of a hard time I have spelling Wichita. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm like, when I'm trying to do it, I'm like, W-H-I-T-C-H. No, it's not like witch, like I'm a witch. It's like, it's Wichita. It's a different witch. It's like a sandwich. I know. Sandwich. I couldn't get there. I could not get there. Wichita. Well, as long as you can say it, I don't need I you to spell it. <laughs> I'm just saying, too, mm -hmm. I don't know why we don't call the people from Wichita Wiccans. <laughs> that seems like an easy go 
go-to for us. You'd think, but a lot of people would be really upset for a lot of reasons. Right. <laughs> the Wiccans don't associate us. The Wichitans don't associate us. And I'm like, you guys, we're all on the same side. And that side is, we hate BTK, right? Yeah, it's Wichita in 1974. Seems like a real nice place, girl. Wichita's the kind of place where kids ran around in the summer catching fireflies and riding their bikes. Yeah, it was a good place to grow up. Again, we get this intro. Like, I don't really care about what... It- <laughs> what it was like for these people to grow up in these towns. And for some reason, every director of every one of these shows wants us to learn about how these people never fucking locked their doors and it was a real I, great place I, to have a childhood. If you ask me, ask me what it was like to grow up in Queens. Girl, what was it like to grow up in Queens? Fine, I guess. Like, I, like, I, and it, because it was, like, it was fine. We were, I, I saw shows all the time. I had the theater. I was right there. But I, I wasn't going to, first of all, we never had our doors unlocked. No, I'm sorry. Like, people say that like, they brag about it, and it's like, no, like, that's why people in that town started getting murdered. You know what I mean? Right, like, without victim blaming. Yeah. Could you lock your doors? I know. <laughs> I also love learning that you would be a real shitty documentary interviewee. No, I would be a great one. <laughs> Don't ask me a question like that. You're not here to talk to me about my childhood in Queens. You're no. here to talk to me about my brush with death or the fact that my uncle is BTK or whatever. Which I probably wouldn't agree to do because I'd be embarrassed right. and hiding under a rock. But we're not here to talk about my childhood. Who gives a fuck? It was fine. I it was know. great. I, I made it here for for better or worse. Do you want to know how garbagey I am? If my uncle were BTK, I'd be like, how do I get? You'd be all over the place. <laughs> Does anyone have Oprah's number? Is the what is the biggest check I could get? No, 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 no. It's not about the money. It's not about the money. It's just the opportunity. It's just about the attention. Great. It's the opportunity to talk about myself, girl. That's right. really all it comes down to. Right. But you know you know how annoying that would be for you because they just want you to talk about your relationship with the murderer and you would want to right. say like, look how great I am. Yeah. I made it. I, I made it out there. And they're like, bitch, we don't care about you. We want to talk about Dennis, your creepy uncle. Oh, it's a lose-lose, you guys. It's a lose-lose. <laughs> you know, it's real hard being us, isn't it? It's true. All right, so look, we got to just jump in. Okay. We meet the Otaro family. They seem like fucking awesome people. The Otaro family had only recently moved here from Panama for Patriarch Joseph Otero's new job, repairing aircraft. We were seven years of growing up in the Panama Canal Zone. He found a job in Wichita. We packed up all our stuff in a suitcase and left my grandparents' house in Puerto Rico and flew to Wichita. You guys, there's this like enormous family that lives in this really small house. They were so many people and the place was so small that they would have to get up and eat breakfast in shifts. I don't think that's what that meant. Because we meet Charlie Otero, right? And he was 15 years old at the time that he's recounting. And he was the oldest of five kids. And I think what he was saying was, I thought you would, as a mother, you would tell me, but Daisy's (laughs) an only child, so I don't know where I was going with that. But every kid was getting up at a different time to go to their place. Like the the, uh-huh, the uh-huh. first grader wasn't on the same schedule as the high school kid. You know what I mean? Uh-huh, That's how I uh-huh. heard that, where everyone, it was kind of just like a revolving door of like, bye mom, see ya. And just, uh-huh. it was like this really big, very, very, very close family. And that's what makes us all so fucking sad. Like they all, you could tell they all just like loved each other so much and they were like grateful for their lives. Like they were immigrants and they were doing well and like that's why this makes me all so fucking crazy. Right. So also there's, I have a note here in my notes. We'll have the voice of BTK with us throughout and I say yeah let's give him more airtime I just I love that you made your own self angry (laughs) again hot take not a fan of BTK can you call him the son of a bitch again he's a son of a bitch fuck this guy actually we don't know about his mom she might have been fine yeah I don't know the like origin of that idiom or whatever you want to call it or that saying turn a phrase I don't care but it feel he just if I saw him I'd be like you son of a bitch like I know I have a lot more words for him and there's someone else who has words for him later and I feel very seen with this person I adore him same we'll get there you guys GP is real salty today if you haven't pulled over yet you're gonna start looking for that exit kids. If I was calm talking about BTK, again, I should get out of the business. I know. <laughs> if I'm like unfazed by this I know. total actual monster person of nightmares, yeah. I should not be doing this anymore. Uh, so it's January 15th, 1974 and Charlie, the older brother, like leaves for school or whatever and like we hear this voiceover. It's the BTK guy, like the real guy talking about how like a demon was taking him over, a demon was possessing him and we see an actman in, in broad daylight. This guy walks up to this house, the Otero house, cuts the phone 
own cord, walks inside and like pulls a fucking gun on this family over breakfast. Right. So Charlie comes home from school. Charlie, the older brother, and he's here with us. Yeah, cut to like 10 hours later. And he comes home and his siblings are like, One of my siblings said, Charlie, come quick. Mom and dad are playing a bad trick on us. And I ran down the hall and saw my mother, my father. It just felt like somebody had ripped my chest open, tore my heart out physically. You know, the man of the house now at 15 years old, he's he's the guy. Charlie walks in and finds his parents tortured and killed. He discovers the phone line had been cut. Both of his parents were tied. They were bound. Also, BTK, if you don't know, it stands for bind, torture, kill. Am I wrong when I call this guy a son of a bitch? No, he's a son of a bitch. I- I'm not even going to go through the whole like, well, we have to talk about everyone's mental health. Fuck this guy. Fuck it. Fuck him. I'm done. I'm out. Yeah, and like when the police finally descend on the scene, it's not just the parents. Two of his siblings are dead. Like, and like the circumstances are terrible. I don't want to fucking talk about what they are. So go look them up if you need to know. But the sister's dead in the basement and mm-hmm. one of the brothers is dead in the in the bedroom. Yeah. And like I I know I said that flippantly, but like it's so bad that like all you need to know is that they're dead and they suffered like terribly. And the thing is the crime is so gruesome that the cops thought yeah. this has to be personal. All of the investigators went for the premise in that the person that committed this act had to have a grudge towards the Oteros. They were thinking this must have been some sort of a feud or vendetta. Somebody had taken not just great time, but also had applied great skill. And, you know, one of the things they tell us that they found in the bedroom where the younger brother was dead was that there was evidence based on chair imprints that this monster sat over the younger brother and watched him die. This is when I say that this is the scariest documentary we've ever covered. I'm not joking. Like, this really is fucking terrifying. He he is one of those people where, like, you close your eyes and you'll see Dennis Rader's face. Like, there's darkness in him. Yeah. So they immediately call the FBI. Everyone is terrified, but there's, like, no information. There are no leads on the case. They have nothing. And then suddenly... April 4th, 1974, Kathy Bright. She's a college student. She comes home with her brother to discover that the house had been broken into and they are confronted by the killer. He tied them both up in separate rooms. Kevin manages to break his bonds and confront the killer who shoots him twice in the head. Incredibly, he is still able to escape and run for help. I gotta say, too, this is an ID documentary. Sometimes they're not so great. I think this one is fucking phenomenal. It is really, truly like watching a horror movie. Like, the way this scene is shot, it's like a dark black room, and you see, like, a figure emerge. Except, again, like, we run into a lot the last 30 minutes. And that, that's not just ID. That's We're running into this a lot. I know. Even the bestia, those last 30 I- minutes. We are available for consultation. We will help you with the last 30 minutes of your documentary. Please email at info at truecrimeobsessed.com. Happy to help. But basically, this monster, like, binds both the brother and Kathy. They're both, like, college-age kids. The brother is able to get out of the bindings, and he confronts the guy in the fucking kitchen. The guy shoots this kid twice in the head, and this hero survives it and Uh runs out the front door, being shot in the head twice to get help. And, you know, we're told that like in the meantime the killer realizes he's completely lost control of the situation he brutally murders Kathy and this is crazy when they finally get the brother to like give a description of the killer now granted the brother literally has been shot in the head twice we see a picture that was absolutely unnecessary of them to show I know I know and like he gives the description Kevin provides police with a description of the attacker a tall white male it's not much to go on I have so many questions about this. Was he wearing a mask? Was it just too dark to be able to really see him? Yeah, this is the first time the cops are like, you know, didn't get a lot of information from this totally traumatized person where I'm surprised they can even form words or remember their own name. And the thing is, it's so shitty because you look at him and I'm like, he just looks like the creepiest substitute teacher anyone's ever had. Dennis Rader, BTK. So it's like, I don't know, like, yeah, sure, you can describe the creepy mustache or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a young kid... He just went through something horrible. He has, like, whatever he's going through. And it's like, it's a tall white guy like they often are. Uh Uh-huh, I know. It's not this kid's fault, but it's not the first time that the cops are like, I really wish we could have gotten a little more information from this person who narrowly survived. I I know. I really wish the victim who'd been shot in the head twice had been a little bit more cooperative. You know? (laughs) I'm like, cops, 
Get a grip. And then this is just, this is just beyond. October 1974, there's an article published about jailed sex offenders who are admitting to murdering the Oteros, the original family. That didn't sit well with the killer. He liked the attention uh, to be focused on him and him alone. And so he contacted the newspaper called the Wichita Eagle, and he explained that there was a letter that had been placed in a book at the Wichita Public Library. So, like, the cops go and find this letter, and basically the letter, like, outlines the way that he killed this family and, like, gives the details that only the killer would know. And, like, what was the scene at the library like? I have a million questions about this. Right, yeah, like, because they were probably like, can someone just go check out this, like, crazy person who just (laughs) wrote us this letter? It's probably going to be nothing. So some, like, rookie probably had to go, and then they open the book, and it's like your hands are trembling. It's like this handwritten letter, like, only the killer would know. And, you know, blah, 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 I have this deep demon inside me. You probably call me psychotic. Where this monster ends my brain, I will never know. But it's here to stay. He's already chosen his next victim or victims. Good luck hunting. Can you promise me that everybody who works at the library was interrogated for 19 hours? Girl, I'll try. I mean, if I was running this shit, you know. <laughs> All of the, like, the library employees tied to chairs yeah. under Jillian's Law. <laughs> Coming soon to Bravo. I'm telling you, like, somebody had to have seen something, no? Yeah, you would hope. And also, again, these unassuming, mediocre white dudes just walk in. He was just a guy. He Like, if you really think about it, he was just kind of a nerdy-looking guy who walked into the library and took out a book. Uh-huh. The whole point is that he was invisible. That's the whole point. Yeah, I guess. And, like, also, this was back in the 70s when people actually went to the libraries. I love going. I love libraries. Oh, my God. Me, too. But you walk into a library now, you're the only person there. And you're the only one they've seen in two weeks. Or you go to the one on 42nd Street and it's packed with tourists taking pictures of you trying to edit a podcast episode in the great room. Okay. And the thing is, like, I, I almost would say, like, if only there were security cameras, but we know how that shit works out. So even then, it, they might as well have had security cameras because we have zero information about this guy. So they might as well have had something. Oh, and here's my other thing. My other question about all of this is that, like, don't you have a choice when you're a murderer and you feel like there's a demon inside you? Can't you go get help? Does that ever happen? You know, that's the big question. That's the big conversation, right? Like, could he actually yeah. not be helped? And does that matter? Uh, right, <laughs> uh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, does it matter? And- Can't you go to somebody and be like, there's a demon inside that wants me to rip people ear to ear. I'd like to not do that. Can you please help me? I mean, that's the goal that someone would say, <laughs> please stop me from doing this. But I think we could talk about that for hours and hours. Like the science of. It, it just feels like nobody ever does that. It feels like that never happens. So maybe it can't happen then. I don't know. Right. But I'm with you. I wish that they could be like, hi, I don't want to do this anymore but also like how would we treat we as a society treat this person who's like I really want to murder but I'm not gonna do it girl I swear to god I'm not because I'm not talking about the third time I'm talking about the first time right like would we even take them seriously girl you're just like you're fine go to sleep (laughs) early exercise like would we even pay attention to this person or would we ostracize them I don't know what we would do but I'm so glad that's not my job I I don't want that responsibility I'm feeling a lot of stress and tension just the idea of like how to handle this if someone comes to me and says Jillian I want to murder someone I'd say first of all don't Second, why me? Why did you come to me? Close your DMs, girl. Close your DMs. That's like, that's how people are going to reach you. Don't you dare. I'm saying don't come to me telling me. Don't, please. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. My DMs are shut, right? (laughs) God damn it, they're going to be. Can't have that shit on my my conscience. My God. Oh, they are closed. Oh, thank God. Okay. So this is the other thing that drives me crazy. We get this police chief who's with us throughout. He was like the guy on the case like back in the 70s. And he's saying like... We realized right away that maybe we do have someone in our community that uh, is a serial killer. But they were afraid of causing a panic. They didn't want to let people know that those cases were connected until they were absolutely certain that they were. Yeah, are we at I'll Be Gone in the Dark again? Or what was going on in the goddamn 70s where people... But, like, when you're the police chief of a town where they don't lock their fucking doors, you have to tell them. Can we start with just everyone lock their doors? Like, I feel like I'm not... Don't gaslight me, everyone. Don't... Like, I'm talking (laughs) the entire decade of the 70s. Don't gaslight me. I'm not the crazy person to want to have doors locked. No. I'm just saying, like, when you're the police chief and you know there's a madman on the loose who's killing people in their homes, you gotta tell. It's your job to tell people. 
Right. So now we get Carrie. Her lower third is former resident, which just, boop, my ears went up and I was like, <laughs> of what? Of where? Like, why? What's going on? I knew immediately. But also, anybody who watched, like, the coming up on knows that there's more to Carrie's story. Of course. But what Carrie is here for, Carrie really introduces one of the worst reenactments I think I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> We'll get back to Carrie, but right now, Carrie, girl, this is not about you. This is about this reenactment because we're talking about how like serial killers just want to blend in and act all normal and blah, 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 blah. And uh-huh. as she's talking about this, we're seeing this close up of hands reaching for a woman's neck from behind. We see her from behind. She's reading a book happily on her couch or whatever with that flannel like knit blanket that either her gamma or mima or grandma made for her back in the day. It's orange and brown probably because. 70s uh-huh. and we see mm-hmm. this person's hand perfectly like they're going to strangle her like coming yeah. from behind and we just see the hands and then he like goes to grab her but oh he's not grabbing her he's just caressing her and she turns around all lovey and kisses his hand in the weirdest way I've ever seen she just starts like mm-hmm. kissing his hand like a lot for anyone who's ever been on a set to get anything done on a set for anything takes a lot of hours a lot of paperwork a lot yep. of money and I'm like, so many people okayed this. They had to cast these people casting, craft mm-hmm. services. And for this zoom on the hands, he's going to strangle her. Nope, she's just going to make out with his hand for five seconds. Like, what? That is apropos of nothing. It just, it made me insane. I was like, what yep. is the What is this? I was mad anyway, because BTK, so... <laughs> I told you she was salty, you guys. I told you she was salty. Uh So we learned that BTK goes silent for the rest of 1974, all of 1975, and 1976. And so the cops are thinking, Where is he? Where did he go? Is he dead? Is he in prison? Is he out killing somewhere else? Because we're being told if this is truly a serial killer, he's going to kill again, or he still is killing. Because the whole idea is that killers have to kill. So how is it possible that he's gone silent? And I have this big note. I went, maybe he's in therapy? Oh, girl, (laughs) that's so sweet of you. No. I really want that to be true. I know, me too. But I think we've learned. (laughs) We've been burned by serial killers before. Way too many times before. Not like I ever gave them a fucking chance, by the way. It's always been an uphill battle with me and serial killers. Like, we're never going (laughs) to, we're never going to have that, like... I could separate the person from the crime. Like, fuck that. No. Um, but it reminded me of Golden State Killer. I'm like, something happened with his family. Because Golden State Killer, yes. remember, then his niece came to live with him. Totally. And I was saying to Mike, because, yes. you know, Mike, I just say things to Mike totally aggressively and out of context. I'm like, oh, yeah. this always happens. It's always because they either had a kid or something happened with their family. And he's like, who, what are you? And I'm like, it's BTK stuff. Also, thank you for not being a serial killer. <laughs> I love you. Goodbye. As far as we know. As far as we know. I mean, today he's not. I don't know. I'm a handful. You guys haven't heard. Who the hell knows? So we meet this guy named Steve Relford. He is the son of a woman named Shirley Vienne, I think is how you say her name. Girl, like, before we get into this story, like, this guy's not doing okay. No, and there's no way, way he can be, honestly. Right. It's March 17th, 1977, and Shirley was sick in bed. My mom sent me to the store. She was sick in bed. Sent me to Dylan's. Get a can of soup. Sorry, I gotta break in here and say this is insane. Because he's five years old and the mom sends him to the store like to get her a can of soup. I understand that this is a totally different time in a different world. My daughter is uh, fully almost two years older than that. And I get uncomfortable if she's in the bathroom and I can't see her. Like she sent him several blocks at five years old. Yeah, I don't, I, you know, not a mother, not allowed to have a thought or opinion or feeling on this. I, it did. Not with me, girl. I value, listen, most of your thoughts and opinions validate mine. So it's great. great. Oh, good. Okay. That seems a little much. Five years old. Five? Like that's mm-hmm. I, I I don't have any words for that. Yeah, and I don't know I don't know what their situation was, but to me it just felt like wow. And Tom now is like an adult is telling us on his way home from the store, he just says straight up, the infamous BTK stopped him on the street. On the way back, infamous BTK stopped me on the sidewalk. Showed me a picture. Asked me did I know who it was. I said no sir. He went ahead and let me go. About 15 minutes later, he come knocking on our door. 
So Steve gets home, and 15 minutes later, there's a knock at the door, and it's BTK who just lets himself in. Then, bitch, why knock, you monster? And he's calling him BTK because he now knows he's BTK. Right, he right, didn't right. know he was BTK in the moment. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. And it's just some guy not and just like lets himself in. And as a five year old, you're like, okay, what? Like, I didn't even know like how you would handle that as a five year old. Yeah. An adult comes in, they're the authority figure. Like, who the hell? Like, what do you do? Of course. The kid probably doesn't question it at all. No. And then suddenly the guy pulls a gun as the sick mother is like coming out of the bedroom. And the mom's like, uh, everybody do what he says. I told my mom to put some blankets and toys in the bathroom. Then put us kids in there, tied to the sink, to the doorknob, pushed the bed against the other door. He tells the mom to put blankets and toys in the bathroom where he locks the kids in by tying a rope to the door and the sink. It's very weird. And then he like brutally murders the mother on the bed. And this guy, Steve, who's with us now and is clearly, clearly an addict and not doing well, says he opens the door to the bathroom and watches this man like brutally, brutally murder his mother. Right. Through the crack in the door. And then the killer leaves and the brother like, you know, breaks through the bathroom window to get help and five-year-old Steve is the one who tries to untie his own mother. After I ran around and tried to untie the rope, I knew there was no hope. If I could have got the rope loose, there might have been hope. And you could tell this guy, Steve, like he has today, he has a good heart. He's trying his best, but I truly don't know, honestly, like without any shade at all, with all the compassion I have, how you come back from something like that. And so the police, now we're back, ask, they're like, hey, five-year-old Steve, who just saw the worst thing someone can see, could you like give us some details? And the voiceover (laughs) is like, but like Kevin Bright before him. He's too vague to be helpful. But like Kevin before him, he's too vague to be helpful. Excuse me and excuse you. <laughs> I know. These are children who have been traumatized. I mean, I completely understand asking them. Maybe they'll say something that they don't think is important. I totally understand that. And you should have professionals dealing with children at scenes like this. Absolutely. But to now say like, he just, he gave us nothing. What a shame. Like, how dare you? <laughs> the wording of that is like so fucked to me. You should just say like, and because Steve went through the worst thing ever of course he didn't have any but just to say like and like that other idiot kid he was not helpful like what so now it's December 8th you guys it's like murder after murder after murder it is fucking bananas it's seven months later the killer calls the cops himself we hear the tape you will find a homicide He says the word homicide. Homicide. He's trying to say homicide. He just keeps saying homicide. Homicide. And I'm like, I know know there are bigger fish to fry with BCK, and I know know that. And we'll get there. I will fry them all. They will be burnt fish by the end of this. But it's a weird way to say homicide. Homicide. It's just very weird. And he's talking about the murder of a woman named Nancy Fox. She was a single woman living alone. You know, and the police say, like, they showed up to the scene because this guy gave the address of this woman he had just murdered. And it's very fucking disturbing. She was in bed. She was strangled. Her clothes were taken. Her hands and feet were bound. It's just terrible. I mean, like, you know, again, we see crime scene photos. It is just this brutal, vicious fucking murder. Like, this guy is an animal. He's an animal. And the thing that makes it so much worse is that every time this happens, it's almost like the investigation gets pushed back because there are more and more murders happening and there are no leads at all. I mean, at all. And so a few weeks later, after this murder, the killer sends some mail to K-A-K-E TV, which is just Cake TV, everybody. They say Cake TV! (laughs) In Wichita. And he's basically like, How many do I have to kill before I get a name in the paper or some national attention? Do the cops think that all those deaths are not related? Josephine, when I hung her, turn me on. You don't understand these things because you're not under the influence of Factor X. How many people do I have to kill around here to get my goddamn name in the paper? I mean, literally he says that, you guys. Yeah. Trash. Yeah. And what he does now, because now he truly wants the attention, he's going out of his way to be as vile as he possibly can just to get attention. He's trying to get a reaction out of all of us. Saying things, you know, like Josephine Otero, the younger sister from earlier, saying like, you know, killing her, like turned him on and all this horrible, horrible shit. So the cops decide they're going to like go on camera. The police chief like goes on this cake TV and decides to like do a sit down interview to give the guy, to give the killer the attention that he wants. We needed to step forward and give him what he wanted. 
with the idea of deterring him from killing again. We were not only communicating with the citizens of the city of Wichita, but we were communicating with him, letting him know, hey, we hear you. You're getting your notoriety. Now work with us. And this also means that they finally tell the public what's going on at the same time. Exactly. For the first time, you guys, it's been years and we're up to like five murders. Yeah, I just, look, I wasn't there. I would have done my best. (laughs) Jillian's Law, I'm telling you, (laughs) I want to live in that town. Remember Carrie, lower third, former resident? And I'm like, what? Yes. <laughs> and she's like, look, you know, my family was like as cookie cutter as it gets. I'm like, what is she even here for? What is she talking about? Why are you here, Carrie? And she's like, I wouldn't have thought my dad had secrets because he's pretty much like the most transparent, ordinary, normal, boring people you would ever know. You know, I really wouldn't have thought that my dad had any secrets. He's just so boring. And I'm like, wait a second. My ears go up and I'm like, what is happening? And everyone shut the fuck up because Carrie is the daughter of BTK of this murderer. And she does like it's like it just it happens so slowly, but also so fast Uh at the same time. Uh She's like, we were just super boring. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait a second. Because she literally says, and it's just the most awkward, surreal awful thing to find out that he's a sexual sadistic psychopath. Yeah, it's pretty bad, girl. Like, I can't imagine. You don't have to convince me. I just wanted to say, too, we cut back to that initial broadcast where the cops are, like, telling the public for the first time that there's a killer on the loose. And, like, the anchor's like, so that's great. So, like... (laughs) So that's great, she says. (laughs) Great. Mm -hmm. Can you spell that? B-T-K, just the initials, just letters. Got it. For bind, torture, kill. Excellent. Fantastic. Thank you. Continue. Just want to make sure I got it. Great. (laughs) My point was... The anchor, he goes, Chief, what kind of leads do you have? And the guy literally goes, well, Very honestly, we have no solid leads at all. We have absolutely nothing that will point us to any one particular individual. Actually, none, Bob. None whatsoever. None. Tom? <laughs> we have no leads. None. Gotcha. <laughs> That's another theme here. <laughs> it's chaos down here, Tom. It's fucking chaos here, Tom. Oh my God, it's chaos here, Tom. So now it's 1984, and BTK has been silent again since 1977. Like, for a monster with the rage inside him to commit these brutal murders, this guy takes a lot of vacations. And he's also just not, like, telling the paper about it, too, by the way. Right, yeah, yeah. But, you guys, it's 1984, so the police chief assembles a task force. They are dubbed the Ghostbusters. I don't understand. They want us to think that's really clever. I don't get it. It has nothing to do with Ghostbusters, because Ghostbusters were busting ghosts and i know that this guy is terrifying yes but he's very real not saying ghosts aren't real but like this guy is so different than like the kooky comedy ghostbusters totally with bill murray and dan Aykroyd. like it's so completely the vibe is just not the naming of it was not about the guy it was about the squad like they wanted it to be like they're all now in a buddy comedy together these guys but it's like whatever you have to do but like please take this seriously like please Don't try to do the, like, Bill Murray and the flowers are still standing. Like, don't try to be Bill Murray. Like, don't try to be funny. Can we just get this guy? Because he's a terrorist. He's a murderous piece of shit. Please, please take it seriously. Don't be cute. Well, we actually, we know they're taking it seriously because they're using these newfangled machines called computers. What? They're gigantic. They're the size of a Buick. (laughs) You did that just for me. I did it just for you. I looked you right in the eye over FaceTime. I love it when you call things Buicks. It's my favorite. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a Buick in real life. I just know that they're big and clunky. <laughs> the idea that you've never laid eyes on a Buick. You've never seen one. I couldn't pick one out of a lineup, but I know they're like a big clunky car. My mom used to drive a Buick. They're gigantic, right? They're like, oh, like unnecessarily big. Like just yes. get a minivan or like an SUV totally. or something. Oh my God. I don't think I've ever seen a Buick. That's amazing. <laughs> so so, th- so they transfer them to these, like you said, com- oh, computers. Ooh, ah. And so they talk to hundreds, maybe thousands of people. They're investigating all of these leads. And it really does like at the moment, all jokes aside, it sounds like they're kind of doing all they can to, to nail this guy. They're really trying yeah. to use the technology of the time. And, you know, the thing is, here's what they land on, though. You know how everyone thought BTK was not murdering people? 
people for years at a time? Yeah, no. That's not what was happening. Yeah, exactly. Because now we're going to Park City and we right. meet this journalist who is very honest. I appreciate this, but she's like, It's a town that people pass by on the highway, frankly, and don't stop in. It's a town that people pass by on the highway, quite frankly. Like, they don't even stop. It's a shit town for shit people, and I don't even know why we're talking about it. And I'm like, girl, I'm sure Park City isn't that bad. The look on her face and the tone. They don't, they don't even stop. They just drive right through. And I, I don't even know her. And I'm like, what the? I think she says the word frankly. She does. They just pass it on the highway, quite frankly. It's not for quality people. And I'm like, oh, my God. So we're back with Carrie, who we now know is BTK's daughter. They lived in Park City. And one of the things that Carrie says here was really telling to me. She's like, it's better if you can get dad outside and garden with him or go on a walk with him. As a kid, you learn these things about your father. And then you almost learn how to manage him. Dad likes to sit a certain place and he likes his things a certain way. You're not supposed to be in dad's stuff. I really love my dad. He was a big outdoorsman. We did a lot of shit together, but everybody knew that you stayed the fuck out of his shit. Don't go through his stuff. That, like, sent a chill down my spine. Right, right, yeah. And, like, you know, he likes to do things certain ways. And, like, he did the outside. The mom did the inside. Like, the mom yes. was a housewife. Like, he had a lot of rules, and no one was allowed to question him in any way. But also, they went to church every Sunday. And she says he was my best friend. So I cannot tell if he was, like, a dick dad or if he was, like, a cool dad but just don't touch his shit because then he's going to go bananas. No, I think he was, you know, he was like the head of the church. As we, He wasn't yes. like a priest or a pastor, but he was like sort of leading a lot of things at the church. Like the administrative head or whatever. Yeah, or something. So I think he probably had a lot of rules, but I mean, Carrie seems to have fond memories of him until she doesn't. Yes. So I don't know what yes. their relationship is, but he didn't murder any of them, thank God. So like, I don't... She, although like later on, she's going to say like, it probably came close. Right. You know? Oh, God. So Carrie is telling us about their neighbor who was seven houses down. That's such like a suburby thing to know. We learned about Mrs. Hedge, who was their neighbor, and she, you know, describes that like our parents were friendly and we would walk by their house and we would wave and they would say hi. And then Carrie remembers learning that Mrs. Hedge went missing. And then later I knew that Mrs. Hedge's body had been found and that she had been strangled. Carrie remembers that like this nice lady who lived down the street was like murdered. Like that alone right there is enough to like completely fuck up your childhood. Totally. You know? Oh my God. And Carrie mentions like my mom remembers telling my dad you know I'm worried about leaving it alone because BTK is murdering these women and my dad told her it's okay don't worry you're safe we knew this BTK guy was on the loose. My mom was scared. My dad would always say to us, don't worry, you guys are safe. When she said that, know, it's like, I know. <laughs> he knows I know. more than anyone, which is the scariest thing in the world. Like, I know. how safe she was on the days he decided not to target his family. I know. So it's September 16th, 1986, and we learn about Vicki Wagerly. She was a 28-year-old mother of two. She was strangled yeah. to death. And of course, everyone assumes the husband. Can I just say one more time, what happened is the husband comes home from work. They've got a two-year-old kid that the husband finds alone at the house. Oh, my God. And he just assumes that his wife, like, went to the store and would be right back. And, like, that's not the craziest thing in the world to ever happen. Like, it's just normal that she would leave the two-year-old at home and run to the store. Uh -huh. You guys, I know that I sound like the judgiest, craziest parent. I'm like, I'm just a normal dad. I'm not, like, that great at it. I'm fine, I'm sure. But, like, it just sounds bananas that, like, it was a normal thing to leave the two-year-old at home while you ran to the store. Right. I, I Yeah, I have like two lines worth of question marks for that. I was like, shoot, the right. what? But then what's right. even what's even like, wait, what the fuck? 40 minutes later, it takes him 40 minutes of like, because yeah. he comes home for lunch, 40 minutes of just assuming that his wife left the two-year-old home before he goes into the bedroom to find Vicky's body. Yeah, I mean, it's just fucking crazy. And of course, the cops immediately look at the husband. Naturally, the police are going to suspect her husband because that's always the first suspect, number one. Number two, he had been in the house for a long period of time and hadn't found her. But the case was never solved. It never got to an arrest stage. And I was like, God, how lucky were serial killers back in the day when they were like, you can't just like scour the scene for DNA to prove that it wasn't the husband. Oh my God. And like, we're going to learn later, this husband was under suspicion for this murder for two decades. But they didn't even arrest him. Right. They were just looking at him. 
So now we're at 1986. BTK hasn't claimed any victims in over a decade. Because, you know, he's writing to the cops. He's writing to the paper. He hasn't claimed anyone in like 10 years. The Ghostbusters task force is disbanded. Sorry, everybody. It wasn't working out. You're fired. (laughs) Whatever. But before that, they organized all these files. They had like a ton of stuff. And they were really trying to do what they could until like, all right, well, he hasn't said anything. But maybe what he does like for the next people who come on and work on the case, like here it is. Here's what we did. And like good on you. Like that's what every task force should do if you have to disband before getting the guy. Stay organized, everybody. (laughs) Stay organized. To which I say, like, I say stay organized and never put me on any task force. No, girl. (laughs) Do you think you're going to be invited to a task force? It's like no one's inviting us to go camping either. We're just, we're not allowed. When they looked at my desk the day they disbanded the task force, they were like, hey, uh, Heinz, we're putting together all the files for the uh, next guys in a decade. And they come over to my desk Uh and they see the shit storm. Can you imagine? Papers every where post-its just covering the entirety of the computer screen. They're just rating everyone's hotness on a scale of one to ten. She's a six. <laughs> Seven and a half. Three. Hard three. They're like, hey, Hines, what are these numbers? Um, Don't worry about it. It's my own. It's my own special system, my own language. Don't worry about it. So it's this way. I go out the same way I came in. Great. Perfect. Thank you so much. So now we're at January 15th, 2004. It's the 30th anniversary as we yes. learned it's like what it's, it's like 30 years since this horrible horrible story started the Otero family right it's 30 years since then and as far as they can tell like BTK hasn't been active since like the late 80s early 90s and so the media is going crazy talking about 30 years this guy like we don't know who he is and what's going on and they're saying nobody remembers him a local criminologist talked to the media about the anniversary of the Otero killings And he actually talked about how many of his students have never even heard of BTK because so much time had passed. So the news is doing all these stories about how BTK has been forgotten. Right, because they're like, you know, I guess that's it. I guess like BTK will never resurface. And he's like, I'll show you not resurfacing. (laughs) And he starts writing letters to the paper and he's sending them like Polaroids of his victims. Yes. And like trophies, like Vicki Wagerly. Yes. Her driver's license. Because what's happening is he wants to prove that he's still out there and could still be active. Because everybody had been saying like, maybe he's dead. Maybe he moved on. Maybe he's been in jail all this time for something else and he's like fuck that this is a guy who he's an egomaniac and he wants his due and so this makes so many people more interested in the case but it also makes BTK the most interested in the case so now he's really starting to interact with the media and the cops there's he's sending letters back and forth he's sending them little things to decipher and lists of things he wants them to find and all of this crazy shit but suddenly everyone in Wichita is terrified again because Mm -hmm. they're saying like police took this threat very seriously. They felt that BTK was announcing that he was active again, that he was on the prowl, and that he was dangerous. But the thing is, it's three decades later, so DNA is now a thing. Right, and they are able to get DNA from under Vicky's fingernails and, like, the semen from the various crime scenes. I'm sorry, Mrs. Pensavalli. <laughs> it's okay. Can we just, we can, she's fine. I don't like saying the word semen knowing your mother is listening. I, I apologize again, Mrs. Pensavalli. It's totally fine. We gotta find a way to get through it, though, because I feel <laughs> I like... If we could just do, do it like the old Irish way, just ignore it like it never happened. The more okay. we apologize for it, I think the more she has to deal with the fact that we said it. I know. I forgot that your mom listened until you pointed it out when we had to say masturbation all those times. I'm sorry, Mrs. Pensavalli. She sent me a picture of her hero bell bag because she's oh, a lady God. paid at the $20 level. So whenever, like, I know when things have been sent out because my mom sends pictures of the things that she's gotten in the mail. <laughs> So anyway, now the communication between BTK and like the cops and the media is like at a fever pitch. And the thing that I couldn't stop thinking about was like, so this guy was super active in like the 70s and 80s when like forensics wasn't really a thing. And I'm like, is this guy equipped to try to be the same dirtbag in 2004 where you can trace everything? And I'm like, we're about to find out. I'm like, girl, stop sending letters. They're going to find you. Right. And not only that, I mean, it gets it gets way worse, but it's kind of like (laughs) the nature of his age worked in our I'm saying like the yes. people who wanted to get him our favor because he, he is just that guy who's like Han I know. <laughs> what remote is it for the like he I doesn't know. understand how anything works and that's awesome and the thing is they just play to his ego so they would have these press conferences where they would be like this is one of the most challenging cases that I've ever been involved with. Lieutenant Lamware would say I really think BTK would be a very interesting person to talk to 
all murder aside and all that crazy shit, I think he'd be kind of an interesting guy to talk to. Totally. We see this happen in these documentaries all the time where the cops Because are they're just... trying to keep him talking. They want more letters from him. They want more correspondence. And it works. I mean, yes. we're going five, six, seven. I mean, all these things back and forth. He's, he's sending postcards to Cake yes. TV. <laughs> he is falling into every single trap they set for him. So he's communicating back and forth. He uses a cereal box. They say post toasties 15 times. Like a... You guys, somebody DM us. What the fuck are post toasties? I think it's like post is the brand toasty cereal. It doesn't matter. It, 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 <laughs> the thing is. It... This is going to be the new hot fries and apple juice. Like, I know. We're, we're going to start getting boxes of this. In the Sorry mail. in advance, everybody. Um, <laughs> but in the post toasties box, there was this postcard. And on the bottom of it, BTK asked, can I communicate with Floppy and not be traced to a computer? Be honest. Be honest, he says. <laughs> you guys, this monster has murdered a hundred people. Now he's asking the cops to be honest with him if they can just communicate on floppy disk because he doesn't want to what? Like he doesn't want to write things out longhand anymore? He wants to show off all of the pictures and the fucked up shit he has. So everyone just give it a goob yeah. with a, what a floppy disk is. Oh my God, there are people who don't know what a floppy disk is. A one zillion percent. How old are we though? <laughs> So basically the cops write him back. Like he's saying, if we can do this, if we can communicate this way and you can't trace me and I'm trusting you to be, don't fuck me on this copper. Be honest. Don't, don't <laughs> fuck me on this. Be honest, he says. And they're like, sure, Jan. Like, okay. So the guy, BTK, sends them a floppy disk. You guys, the whole thing gets shut down. It seems like in one minute. This floppy disk, it's this purple floppy disk. And they're like, oh yeah. my God. Like they cannot even believe he sent it back. I With know. In a second, they have his full yeah. name, Dennis Rader. He's the president of the Christ Lutheran <laughs> Church at Park City. His address. They are in the car. Er, the, before they're like, everything hasn't even like shown up on the screen. They get absolutely everything and more. I got a question, girl. What did it sound like when they were tearing down the highway to his house? <laughs> but they were also like, we got him. Yeah, uh, we got him. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's a that's a class action park callback, you guys. So this is the other thing that makes me crazy. They figure out who he is and where he lives, and whoever is in charge is like, eh, we'll go get him tomorrow. And I'll never forget the lieutenant called me and said, got the DNA back, it's him. We're going to come in in the morning and start up. I, there was no way I was staying home. They're like, we are going to rip the goddamn door off the hinges. And yes. suddenly someone's like, oh, ugh. can we do 24-hour surveillance first just to make extra sure that this is the guy? Yes, the next morning they're all driving to his house because they know everything about him now. He comes home for lunch every day. There's a hundred cops like staking it out. They pull him over and like next thing you know, they've got him in custody. And he looked at us and said, would you please tell my wife I'll be late for lunch? I assume you know where I live. He does not deny being BTK ever. No. He never denies it. They pull him downtown. They interrogate him for 30 straight hours. They basically are like, just tell me who you are. It wasn't long after that that the FBI agent said, just tell us who you are. And he said, I'm BTK. That's it. That's how they got him. Uh -huh. He got away with all of this shit for decades and decades. He sees one news story about how everyone's forgotten about BTK, and his ego is so fucked that he has to, like, then re-engage with the cops, and they catch him in five minutes. And he has no remorse at all. Like, someone says, like, when he described what happened, it's almost like he was giving instructions. Like, he, what, he was talking about, like, oh, so then I did this, and then I did this. Like, this guy is a total, total total piece of shit like tr he's a true monster yes then we're finding all of these drawings of torturing women and these photos and all this stuff they were under the floorboards in his house also like under the floorboards were the licenses of the women that he killed his trophies yeah. like their clothing and jewelry and he had like fully fully organized basically files about all of these murders in his office in the church. And so he said to the cops, he's like, oh, is this what you're looking for? He wants credit for every murder he did. He wants them to know every single thing he did. And so then, like, he gets arrested, obviously. Yeah. They throw the book at this guy, and you know, all of these murders were done before the death penalty was legal in Kansas, and so he gets 10 life sentences. And like, you know, we see this fucking dirtbag in court. He wants to stand up and make a speech and cry and try to relate to the victims. The victims' family members do this really great thing. All the families had agreed together that when he opened up his mouth, we were walking out, and we did. 
And we get to see it. Like, we see video of that happening. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's all, you know, it's like he just tried to compare himself to the victims and he had no emotion. Yeah. It's just like, it's just the worst. And it's like, why are we letting this guy make a statement? He didn't ask for that. Right. They were like, hey, Dennis Rader, would you like to make a statement? He's like, actually, let me waste everyone's time and do even more damage and cause more pain by making yeah. myself the victim. I really couldn't help this. Yeah. I totally feel for the families because I too have children and blah, blah, fucking right, blah. Right. Who cares? <laughs> God. <laughs> We did. So there's 10,000 documentaries about BTK. What's this one called? This is called BTK, A Killer Among Us. We have checked and rechecked and made sure. I was still terrified up until 3.59, a minute before you called me, (laughs) that I did notes on the wrong one. I know. I know. Me too. It is really, really, really fascinating. You guys, this is a great documentary from ID. Go watch it. There's no way we could cover everything. So, of course, we left a ton of shit out. This could have been five episodes. I feel like they do this wrong. The ones that need to be one episode, they make six episodes. And the ones that need to be five episodes, they make one. I would have watched three episodes on this. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I wish we could have given, yeah, but we did our best, you know? It was fascinating. You guys, if you want more Jillian and me, join us on the Patreon. Over 150 full ad-free bonus episodes to download and binge right this second, covering everything from Obligon in the Dark and Fear City and The Vow. We do check-ins and after parties and fun little Zoom hangs. We've been like integrating some video into some of this stuff on Lady Pate, so we're having fun. Yes, ad-free versions of these episodes. There's so much content. You can go to our website or patreon.com slash true crime obsessed. And also, I should say, you you have access to that immediately. The minute you sign yes. up, you get all of it. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, You can follow us on social media at True Crime Obsessed Podcast on the Instagram. I'm at Patrick Hines underscore. You are Jillian with a G and all the things. And wait, you're at Patrick Hines underscore on Instagram, but you're at Patrick Hines on Twitter. On the Twitter. That's right. Yeah. I forgot that. Um, So stay tuned for uh-huh. our hilarious and ridiculous outtakes. There's a lot for this one. We were. Girl, thanks for coming with me off those rails. I'm so I, sorry I, t- I took you off the rails we were on. No, I, it was look. It was a it was a thrill ride for me too. <laughs> Not stop thrills. That's that's exactly. me. I uh, love you, girl. Miss you. I know. Love you and miss you. Uh, we love you guys. Bye, everybody. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Two things happened just a minute ago. You always describe your ears going up like a dog yeah. when something interesting happens. It's my favorite thing about you. <laughs> Number two, you told the listeners to shut the fuck up, but you did it quietly because you didn't want to actually yell at them. <laughs> It was great. It was great. Everyone shut the fuck up. Shut, wait, shut up. Because, yeah, you know my tone. I'm not talking to yes. you. I'm talking at you. <laughs> I I can just see that lady journalist, Hank, just has had it with Tom. She's just fucking had it with Tom. I've been here for three days, Tom. I don't... Is, is your bed comfortable? I don't. I haven't had it. I've been surviving. I've been surviving on, on cold, lukewarm black coffee and Tic Tacs for three days. Is your bed comfortable? You're nice and warm over there. Great. What are you full? You're a little sleepy because your lunch was too big. Been out here for days. This guy's gonna blow up the whole fucking town. But yeah, no. I'll give you more information. What else do you need, sweetheart? That's from Dead Man's Line, everybody. If you're just. If you're just tuning in for the BTK of it all, that is extended bits. What are you, full? From Dead Man's Line. What do you need, a nap? You had too much turkey for lunch? Yeah, no, no, no. What what, what can I do for you, Tom? You tell me what I can do. Been out of here for three days. Sure. You need anything else? Tom! This is not the first time Tom has done anything remotely close to this. He's constantly asking someone who's smarter and, and better qualified than him, like, for coffee. <laughs> The thing is, I would bring all of the enthusiasm and like the good donuts, but I would do, I would bring none of the organization for the next guy. We would be backseat drivers, as they say. We'd be like, what about that? What about that one? No, 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 look at him. I didn't like his face. And then you'd say, I really liked his face. And I'd be like, girl, not now. And they'd be like, get these yep. two clowns out of here. Who I know. let these people in? The donuts are great, but like enough. I know, sure. <laughs> 